0: episode of my voice diary, I guess. Uh, Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about my experience at the Motor City Tattoo Expo in Detroit, and I hope you enjoy it. I've been meaning to make more episodes uh, like this lately, but things have been really busy, and I work alone, and I do all my own booking. Um, In the last episode, I was talking about how I want to book out six months and really I've just realized it's not that necessary Um, I've reached kind of an optimal point for myself booking out at about eight or nine weeks right now and I feel like I'm just kind of like at this perfect place where I'm not too stressed out and uh, just doing enough booking every week to kind of stay that same amount of uh, weeks booked out right now so it works out to where I don't Feel like I have too much on my plate, and I I have some freedom to still be able to travel and book uh, con- uh, conventions and things like that. So, uh, also, it gives me enough time to like put put all the extra attention into each individual that I work with. Like uh, when I have too many things going on, and even if I just haven't got to it yet, it's kind of just. Anxiety anxiety, always seems to be about things that haven't even happened yet. So it's just hard to have like hundreds of people waiting to uh, have their work done by you. And it's a little better just to kind of limit it for me at least. It's a little too stressful to think about six months worth of people when right now at eight or nine weeks I feel like my cup is full. So I have to empty the cup a little bit first before I can fill it back up. So that's kind of where I'm at is in just, uh, uh, I'll take a few weeks where I'm just kind of hyper-focused on the work stuff and then I kind of move back towards, uh, putting my focus on, on booking too and opening up like a, keeping a day or two open a week like I was talking about in the last episode, where I just do a lot of booking mainly in those couple days. And then, uh, some weeks I don't have those days and I just, I'm tattooing all week, uh, or coming up with new designs but when i met bob tyrell and marshall bennett they said they're only really booked out as far as i am and i realized that i'm being kind of extra about it and just need to like kind of chill and realize how lucky i am and just be grateful for all the blessings you know just to be booked out this far this early in my career and stuff or this being this young too um it's like later on i'm gonna talk about Uh, Other people didn't even start till they were (coughs) my age and stuff, and now they're some of the biggest guys in the world, so. Uh, Before I start, though, with the rest of today's episode, let me just give you a little bit of a word from our sponsor, and then we can move on. Okay, so the Motor City Tattoo Expo... In Detroit, well, this year was at the, uh I believe it's called the Renaissance Center. It was like this really tall building right on the border of uh, where Canada and America meet in Detroit. Really cool little spot. I didn't even know that that was a thing that like Detroit was on the border like that. I guess I just never really thought about it. But uh really cool little spot. Super cold. Uh, lots of people from all around united states some of the best artists in the world we got a rental car to go out there and uh, we're about two hours north of there so uh when we got the rental car it was for the weekend so they weren't we weren't allowed to even turn it in until monday anyway so we figured we'd go sunday as well and there was an announcement uh, that bob tyrell and marshall bennett were going to be doing their course and they hadn't really been advertised, so I didn't know they were gonna do it this year. I've been wanting to take it every year, just haven't made it out there to get it uh, to go take it yet. So uh, we were just gonna go Saturday because there was a free seminar by Brian Sanchez talking about um, color theory and some other things like that. I'll get into, but uh, so I I was gonna go to that one anyways. We decided we were gonna go to both early on. Bought tickets for uh, both days. So, uh, the drive was, you know, the drive was, like, it always feels like it's a long way there, and then it's kind of, like, quick on the way back, but uh, I don't do any of the driving anyways. Uh, My lady drove us all the way there. Um, We had my best friend stay here. He's, like, my roommate and my front desk guy at the shop, but he washed my kid for me while we were uh, there for the first day, and it was really cool. You know, I I wore this, like, uh, really this kind of, like, pink shirt that had, like, uh, some kind of tattoo, like, drawings on it. Like, skulls and and uh, little ships and stuff like that, I think. And everybody just kept complimenting my shirt since so it was so funny. And, and But it's kind of, like, for me, I always wear shirts like that to conventions. Either some kind of, like, it's always some kind of, like, Hawaiian style or, like, a button-up short sleeve shirt. It's kind of, like, an ode to the Ed Hardy era and those kind of guys. Because... Uh, That's what they all wore to those kind of shows, so there's a a few other people that were dressed like that, but uh, Yeah, I guess I just had something like really unique shirt because everyone just kept pointing it out And I was like man, I guess that's one way to stand out because everybody kind of dresses the same in the tattoo industry is uh, You know we all wear kind of like black shirts with and it looks like a band tee or something like that so um, if you want to stand out, just wear something a little bit brighter and uh you know, something a little more fun and everyone's going to be drawn right to you. Um, the 50s people, you know, there's always those people, people that dress up like, uh, greasers and stuff like that. And that and that always, like, is a big hit, too, you know? So if you want to end up in pictures, definitely just dress a little bit different. We ended up on the video, uh, for the weekend that was, like, sponsored. Like, the video, that the big video that they put out for YouTube or whatever there's this part where everybody says welcome to Detroit and we're like right in the front I'm like heck yeah you know it's just cool to uh just be a, a part of something big like that anyways in any way that we could but the Saturday seminar rolled around um after we you know like walked around for a while and uh so we kind of like went our separate ways my lady Went and uh, just kind of walked around and stuff like that for a while while I took this seminar from uh, Brian Sanchez And I found it really inspirational and interesting Uh, It was all about color theory and he really went into a lot of different things that have to do with like blending colors and making like a unique palette out of just like a few tones And he has his own like ink line with eternal so he was just kind of showing like how you can take those twelve tones and you can make like an unlimited amount of colors out of just them by like mixing them together in different ways and uh a big way to help with that is like using a color wheel, which is a really simple idea, you know, like something that probably people who've taken art classes would be like, "Wow, it's really stupid, you know like like uh day one stuff or whatever but I've never really taken an art class. I started as a tattooer and I never really was like a fine artist. And that's something he pointed out too is that in America that's more common than not is that a tattoo artist starts as a tattoo artist and not as a regular artist and they're never really trained in these uh, basic ideas, you know? So, um, it's kind of interesting he's right because in places like Europe or in Russia or um South America a lot of people are coming into the tattoo industry with art degrees and they have different kinds of inspiration like they're um they're taking influence from painters and people who are like uh really big in in that fine art community and then they're taking that inspiration and putting it into uh tattooing so uh, that's if you look at Brian Sanchez, you see exactly what I'm talking about. Like the kind of art he's doing is uh, stuff that you normally might see like on canvas, but now we're putting things like that on skin, and it's guys like that that are kind of like like crossing the uh, boundaries there and like molding these two things together. And I think more and more into the future, we're gonna see that like the the tattoo industry is heading that way. So uh, another thing too is like he had. Explained how his uh, ink line was a little bit different and so I ended up buying it to try it out and uh, the consistency is much thinner than uh, regular ink so it it does blend quite a bit easier like in the uh, in the tip of the needle like in the uh, The ink well of the needle like when you you can mix it in your machine a lot easier and um, It's cool like you can Uh, blended in the caps easier too I don't know it just seems like a really easily blendable kind of uh, ink instead of it being so thick too like I noticed like the really thick inks are the ones that you can't really line with or do anything like that with because they're going to kind of blow out into the skin too Uh, these thinner ones Uh, I use it even I use some of these thinner inks in a fix up like cover up tattoo i was doing and it blended really well with some of the old ink that was in there and made some really unique tones and stuff too so it's been really interesting to play with um i think my favorite thing is the snowflake white in it is uh and just the thin consistency it's really fun to play with other other um inks and kind of dip it into that really light snowflake white and instead of it being white it's like a bluish white and Uh, I really like that one so you can blend some really unique tones out of that the ruby red and the um concentrated turquoise you can use to kind of switch your color to a warmer or a cooler tone and um I don't know just like little things like that I guess I just didn't really think about beforehand and he also pointed out because he's like a big watercolor artist and that's a lot of stuff that I do is a lot of watercolor looking stuff And he pointed out um, some different things about the healing aspects of it that I've also noticed. Like, uh, like you you know, a lot of things you can do on paper, you can't do on skin. That's the bad part about crossing fine art into tattooing is you have to learn these mistakes over time. Like a big thing that people were doing when we started doing watercolor tattoos was uh, washing the ink out, like the... Color out with water and then creating that effect and it looks cool when the tattoo is done. But uh, as he was saying and as everybody should really be concerned about most is like what that tattoo is going to look like five, ten, you know, uh, years down the line. So uh, that should be our main concern when we're doing any tattoo is like the longevity because we're we're not doing something that is on paper. That's a lot different. So if you do the little dot work stuff, you know, or you do like Um, like just really experimental stuff sometimes like the micro tattoos you know they're they're cool when you do them but they're not always cool um, you know 10 years later so something to think about when you're going into it to be responsible and really like have like a, a a clear mindset when you're doing your tattoo that of what you want out of it you know like are you experimenting or are you just are you doing something that uh it's gonna speak for your legacy for you know the rest of your life or the or the rest of their life um, in a positive way like a way that you could be proud of so anyways that was one thing i found interesting uh not washing out the water i found that too like uh, it's better just to kind of uh, lighten your tone and lighten your tone you can mix blend with other uh lighter tones like that snowflake white and kind of blend it out and pack ink into each spot that you want it in instead of kind of whip it out like uh, it's a black and gray tattoo. Because it's not a black and gray tattoo. Those are those work a lot differently. So, um, man, yeah. So, anyways, it was a really interesting seminar. And, and it was a really cool dude from Columbia, And he does, like, these really big mural portraits on... Or really big mural paintings on buildings and stuff like that. And, uh on canvases and sells them to all kinds of different businesses and stuff and there he's his art's all over the place not just on skin and i respected that a lot so when we were done there though uh me and my lady left and we figured we better get out of there but we wanted to get something to eat so we went to this little place i think it was called like bar harbor or something like that and uh we walk in and they were like do <clears throat> you have, uh, reservations? And we were like, no, you know, do we need them? And they looked around and found us a spot, and it was really, really good. It was some of the best, uh, seafood I've had in a while. Uh, just a really great meal, and it was really cool. Just, uh, I, th- I feel like, though, like there was a lot of different seafood places there that looked like they were probably really good, and there was, like, Detroit looks like it, it's just good food everywhere, so, I don't think we probably could have gone to a bad place in downtown Detroit. So I'm definitely going to go back there. I'm like a big foodie. And a lot of people were like, oh, you should try out the Coney Dogs there at this one place. And it's like famous for them. But I just wasn't in the mood for a hot dog. I wanted like something kind of nice, you know. And it was just me and my lady. So I wanted to go somewhere cool. We don't get away from the kid a lot and stuff. So that was really cool. Um, then. We left and we started driving home and the GPS got us like turned around at some point point, like basically made us make a U-turn and we lost like 20 minutes, 30 minutes and we ended up getting home kind of late but my son was really good for uh, my roommate and stuff so that was really cool. We got home spent some time with him and then we got ready to wake up in the morning and do it all over again basically. So, Sunday, we wake up, and we get ready and leave, and I'm taking my son with me on this day, so it's a little bit different. Um, My lady was, like, watching him the whole time that I was in there doing the seminar, but uh, when we got there, we originally expected the seminar to start at, like, a certain time, and it started about two hours late, and uh, it took, like, a a little while to get started and stuff. It kind of just made me think of some of the, uh, the people I've tattooed with throughout the years, like it's definitely like certain tattoo artists just like once they get to that point maybe where they're big or whatever they kind of like uh they're on their own time at least or whatever you know but it was cool because he made up for it and he gave us like all uh free shirts and dvds and stuff he gave me two dvds one's on uh doing dog portraits and the other one is like him doing a frankenstein portrait And, uh, man, he was just, like, the coolest tattoo artist I've ever met, so it was just really an honor to hang out, and I would have paid way more. It was only $200 for what ends up being, like, five or more hours with Bob Tyrell, Marshall Bennett, and a bunch of other dudes that they had come in that are all badass black and gray guys, and they convinced them to, like, pop their head in, too, and, and, um, you know, put in whatever they can, too, like, information-wise to help you out. And so they're really, you know, it's really cool like they actually do a tattoo in front of you and one person that is in the class gets pulled and uh wins the free tattoo so this girl won she got a skull and uh i watched a good amount of it but uh had to end up going because i was like i was there for so long but so it was cool to get the dvds and stuff too but uh yeah we left kind of late that night my lady was a champ about it she just uh handled it great you know sat outside and watched, a uh, blippy on YouTube with my son and stuff, I don't know if you guys have kids you might know what I'm talking about, but, uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to go to this Detroit Expo and take this seminar, it's super worth it to spend that much time for that little amount of money with people that are that good, um, super, super worth it, so, basically, I'm gonna probably do it again next year, but I think I'm gonna just clear my whole Sunday and expect it to, you know, run, the whole day but it's a good chance to basically like pay to be able to to sit in the room with these guys while they tattoo and they're like basically open to you asking any questions you want They answered every question I asked about everything so I don't know I just learned a lot and you know a big part of what they talked about was like their equipment and their ink and their needles and stuff like that I think what most people are curious about when they go into it But I think Marshall Bennett made a good point when he said that, like, really the key is just sitting there over the shoulder of the person and asking the questions and actually watching it. You know, it's like a hands-on thing. You can't really learn tattooing any other way besides doing that. And it reminded me of, like, early on, the same thing. I used to hang out over this guy Chris Rogers' uh, shoulder with a notebook and I would write notes about i would ask him all kinds of questions oh why are you doing it this way why are you holding it that way what are you dipping in you know like what kind of ink is that like what size needle is that what you know Uh, why are you wiping it that way whatever Uh, everything anything you have a question about that guy would answer and he was just cool with me like that and i would entertain him and tell him stories about Anunnaki aliens and crazy shit like that and that would like pass the time for him so he was like obliged to go ahead and tell me whatever it was just a really cool dude we became good friends and we would go to uh we would always like there were, we would always dream of going to a bigger city and stuff and we would drive to San Francisco a couple different times if we went out there and kind of just looked around at different shops and Hung out. One of the times we were out there, we actually ran into Bob Tyrell tattooing at a shop called Club Tattoo on the Pier uh, pier 39 in San Francisco. And that's like right where all the seals and stuff um, pop up out of the water and they chill on the on the boardwalk right there. And it's really interesting that they had a shop there for a while. It's closed now. There's no shop there anymore. But it was a really beautiful little spot with a lot of uh, digital of like people's work and stuff and it just kind of like was super inspiring on you know what's possible like uh, as far as like having a really classy studio and and we saw empty empty areas and like in uh the industrial or in the like uh commercial area or whatever and we were like just dreaming man maybe what if one day we opened a shop or something out there you know and it's funny because uh you know a few years later he ended up uh, working out there, uh, the shop we were working at, everyone kind of went their separate ways, and he ended up in San Francisco working at a shop that was, uh, just around the corner from there that is still around, and it's a big name shop, Black and Blue Tattoo, and then he worked there for quite a few years, and now he opened his own shop with another guy from there, and I think they call it Two Realms, they're really cool dudes, they, they do, like, really, um, stylized work, it's, like, modern, abstract, like, really cool stuff, so, I don't know, I'm just really proud of that dude too, and, uh, I don't know, it was just cool to be around Bob Tyrell, and it kind of reminded me of that time too, and, um, it's just interesting how everything kind of goes full circle in life like that, but, anyways, uh, yeah, it's crazy, like, I was walking around too, and, uh, you know, every, it's weird, like, noticing, how everything's kind of changed as far as machines, what everyone uses now. I uh, used to walk around those conventions and they would be, like, buzzing everywhere, you know, because it's all electromagnetic coils, and now everybody's basically using rotaries, and there's a few guys that are kicking it old school still, and um, I did until recently, you know, maybe a year ago or something, And and I really, really like... Uh, machine builders anyways I just like respect their trade I like what they do and then and then you know the ones that are really passionate about it especially and I ran into this guy at Dringenberg and everybody in the industry pretty much knows who this guy is he's pretty much famous the most famous machine builder that I could probably think of and uh, for some reason I got into this conversation with him about Um, you know, obviously he's defending his product that that's the the superior product and stuff, and and he was just such a cool guy, though, and, uh, you know, we were really joshing each other around, like, he was giving me a hard time about me wearing a pink shirt and using a machine that has a dildo motor, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, he was just a funny dude, and there was a, uh, the FK Irons machines were right across the way from him, but you could tell they were just way more corporate, you know, and... I really like that that guy just builds all his own machines and stuff. He was just, like, a super chill dude. But he was really almost... He almost had me sold on going back to the coil machines, to be completely honest. And then I go to the seminar, and and, uh, Bob and everybody else, they're using Cheyenne Hawks. And so (laughs) I know that uh, I'm not, like, you know, uh, I'm not the one that... You know, is like in the past or whatever. I don't know. It's kind of like this crazy, this crazy back and forth in the industry, like between like, who, I don't know, who's right or who's wrong. And I think maybe that's the wrong mentality. Like each machine probably has its its own like what's what it's best for. Like it has its own purposes and stuff. Some machines are probably like a like a coil is gonna line better than a uh rotary but it's just the convenience factor now and just i don't know i guess i could get into a whole thing on what's the differences between coils and rotary but like a whole nother podcast probably but um just personally uh, the few things that i really enjoy about using the fk irons is the consistency and the convenience of Uh, being able to just switch the the cartridges out and not have to set up three or four machines to do three or four different jobs. And you can adjust the different... um, Like, if you wanted to hit harder or softer on this machine, the FK irons, you can do that. And um, I'm using critical power supply now, and that with the FK irons, just everything is running really smooth. I haven't had any issues. So I don't know. I just haven't had any desire really to switch it up anymore but then talking to this guy I'm like man like I would uh part of me wants to just uh try out a couple of machines too because they're really not that expensive so I mean if you are gonna get a uh coil machine that's the guy to get one from I mean it's only like 300 400 bucks I think for per machine and they're top of the line and they're guaranteed. So. If I was going to get a coil, I'd get one from him. And if I'm going to get a rotary, I'm, I, I really like the FK irons. But, uh, you know, Bob Tyrell and Marshall and a lot of those other guys are using uh, Cheyenne pins now. And, and those are always have always kind of been like the. they were the first ones to create that style of machine, basically. And the cartridges are supposed to be like the best cartridges. So, but anyways, yeah, he's using... Uh, You know, if if you know Bob Tyrell, you know he has that uh, intense ink line, too. It's a gray wash set. And when I first met him, he he had said that it was way too dark of a consistency and that he wasn't really using it. And if he did, he was uh, thinning it out a little bit. And he had, like, a method to make it perfect. Well, they changed it up, and now it's a new consistency. And he's actually using his own set now. And, uh, it's, like, it's, like, made how he uses it, or how he makes it, so, uh, that was pretty cool to hear, because, um, basically, I leaned away from it for so long because of what he said before about it, um, and I've been using just the Eternal gray wash kit. Marshall Bennett has a gray wash kit from Eternal, too, and that one's really good. I feel like all of them are really good. I mean, you can make your own, too, just as well, I think, um, if you have, like, a consistent setup, you know, uh, other guys doing that like one of the other guys that came in and popped his head into uh, bull he was talking about how he makes his and you know it's a little more complex and you kind of like make it as you go and uh, so everybody's different you know so that's just, it's just method it's not about how you put it in all the time it's just about like how it ends up looking I guess everybody kind of has like a different way of like uh, putting the same image together or whatever so that's why it's interesting to take a seminar because then you end up hearing different people's perspective you could try little things out that they tell you and you your uh method grows and becomes more complex and better more accurate so bob's doing everything mostly with a bug pin five mag it seems like um really tiny needles you know it's like basically like a flat like a kind of flat liner or something uh really small area, and you're just going really slow back and forth, kind of sweeping motions like a broom, uh, to kind of build up tones, and really super simple stencils, uh, just a lot like mine, mine are really simple too, uh, mainly going for the biggest features, the eyes, nose, mouth, big panels of shading, and you, you, you're you going to focus more, like he says, on uh, the features of the Base than you are, like on uh, trying to make it crazily detailed to where you almost don't even can't even understand it. And unless you can't understand it, sometimes you can. Like Nico Hurtado, he was saying, has you know, his look like topographical maps and stuff, so it's hard to tell for the person that isn't him doing it. Even Bob can't really read Nico's uh, stencils, but Nico can, you know, so it depends on who you are, I guess. Um, but stencil to a point where you can understand it, you know, you're not gonna get confused, is what, uh, he was saying, basically. And I found that I have just, like, I already have kind of a really similar process, but maybe I could use a little bit of slowing down and, like, uh, some smaller needle sets, probably. Because I've never even messed with a a five bug pin mag, so I think that'd be really interesting. Like, the smallest thing I usually use is, like, a seven mag or something, so. Uh... The coolest thing that I learned about them there too, or Bob at least, was that he didn't start tattooing until he was in his 30s. And when he was in his 20s, he spent 15 years just making countertops. And it's some job that uh, he was consistent at, and he showed up every day. And his work ethic is what stood out to the guy that ended up apprenticing him. And uh, he basically asked the guy if he was accepting apprentices, and he... He uh, had a really easy apprenticeship at the guy's shop. The guy went to Europe, I guess, right before he asked him. Right after he asked him that, he said, "When I get back, I'll apprentice you." He came back. Um, he hung out at the guy's shop. The guy told him, "Just hang out over people's shoulders, ask them questions," and eventually, like a few weeks of doing that, and uh, he was already, you know, doing a couple of his first apprentice tattoos. And then he got uh, thrown into a chair and told um, to go ahead and work then, basically, now it's been 22 years, and he's basically the Michael Jordan portrait tattoos, like, we all know him for portrait tattoos, like, people know Michael Jordan for, uh, basketball, you know, so, it's kind of interesting how, um, he didn't start till he was 30, you know, like, isn't that crazy? I don't know, for me, like, I started when I was, uh, about 20, 21, and, uh, kids were around me starting when they were like 14 or something like that like the guy Jose that I was at the first shop I was at with his daughter was probably 14 or 15 and there was another kid uh, around the same age that would come in and learn a lot of stuff about art and tattoos from us and uh, I was all about that too you know I love that there's kids around and then I went Because I just think that art is always going to be a positive influence on anybody at any age. Um, It's just a good outlet. And then when I was at Red Dragon Tattoos in my apprenticeship, there was another kid there that I believe like tattoos at that shop now named Dominic. And he he he's just amazing too. Like on paper, he could just do some stuff that I couldn't even imagine doing, you know. So his art was already at a great level. And then they put him into tattooing uh, later on. So... I always felt like I started late at 21, you know, so I can only imagine being a 30-year-old in a 20-year-old game like that, and now he's in his 50s, and, uh, um, I don't know, just, there's people that are, like, you know, in this class that I was taking, and they're, like, maybe 19, 20, 21, like I was in their first two, three years of tattooing, and, uh, you know, they're just, they think they're starting late, and, <laughs> it's just uh, it doesn't matter when you start it's about what you put in and it's not about where you start It's about where you finish, you know, so uh, What's the goal, you know, I really like how he decided to specialize and that's something that I think stood out to me Too is that everybody who was really big name there was a specialist in something. They had a style that was really unique Tony Ciavaro, you know um, Kelly Dotti, Frank Lenatra, Mike Chambers, Robert Hernandez morrison liz cook bob tyrell marshall bennett carl grace i mean, you know carl grace it was cool i introduced myself to him because i'm excited i'm gonna be taking his course too in north carolina in uh, Fayetteville, north carolina it's like fort bragg in april i'm going to a tattoo convention out there called the all-american tattoo convention he's gonna be doing a um, seminar that i've already signed up for and uh but yeah you know there's like some of the biggest names there and each of them all have like a really unique style it's just really really cool really cool show put on by a really cool company too i didn't really know a lot about eternal ink before i went there but uh, i left there kind of hearing a little bit more about the history and just interesting that a uh vietnam veteran a guy that went to vietnam twice is who started it and you know he he went to vietnam twice and came back and he was in a motorcycle gang called the scorpions and In the area of Detroit I believe And then uh, started a tattoo shop Eternal Ink And blew up and he owned a few shops I believe And then he sold Eternal Ink to Marshall Bennett And that's who owns it now Still to this day And when he uh, sold some shops He started a supply company That ended up being Eternal Ink And that's like one of the biggest tattoo supply companies That there is still to this day And I think he has more of a passion About you know Like Providing something for the industry like that now than anything like these shows are just huge and it's crazy like um the best of the best people coming together, you know, if you could just put yourself around those people you're gonna have, you're gonna guaranteed you're gonna get something out of it, so that's my goal is, like I said in the last podcast episode that i did i'm I'm just trying to do as many seminars as I can. Because now I know, too, like, there was only, each of those seminars I did only had, like, five or six people in the class. So I know that the class sizes are small. You're going to rub elbows with these people one-on-one. You're going to spend three to five hours with one of the best people in the world for just a couple hundred bucks. You can't beat it, basically. So I'm forced to have to do as many of these as I can now. Because uh, you can't go to their shop and just hang out with them, you know. Uh, You can't get the same stuff out of them, really, from getting tattooed by them. I mean, that that would be good. That would be a big help, too. But I think... No, I think that would actually be just as good, maybe, even, you know? Because, especially if they're a person that's nice and is going to answer a lot of questions and stuff. But sometimes not, you know? Sometimes they're just, like, there to work, so... Um, I don't know, like, I think it's the only... out there that is closest to like a school for tattooing that is reputable enough to actually like go to or or listen to or whatever but uh that's the only thing you could really do to educate yourself from the best of the best there's no there's no other way like you're not going to learn anymore like after a certain point you're just not going to learn that much more like sitting in your shop by yourself like you have to go and you have to pay other people for their time and their and their knowledge and stuff it's just something you're gonna have to do if you want to keep growing so one cool thing that i think um it was abnormal was that bob tyrell gave everyone in the class his cell phone number i thought that was really really cool it shows humility you know he doesn't think of himself as some big hot shot like he was just a great influence a really good mentor i think to have like For anybody like a good person with a good mentality about tattooing its past its future he knows the people he knows everybody by name and stuff and like I I don't know that's how I want to be I want to represent the tattoo industry like that when I uh, when I'm in his shoes one day we're gonna be you know we are gonna be the next generation of tattoo artists so we have to decide like how we're gonna direct the boat and where we're gonna end up what path we're gonna take so when i left there of course i had to hit up white castle you know on the way home got myself some food god my lady was a champ she sat there for so long waiting for that that course to be done so i finally left a little bit early and we we just uh got some food we went home my son slept the whole way and then uh, i got home and i got back to work man It was crazy, I just got like right back into it, started using a lot of the stuff from the color theory seminar right away, I did like a half sleeve of this like Victorian girl and she had like a double set of eyes, it's kind of like a, like a thing I've seen on a couple different things, uh, a couple different tattoos here and there, It's like a a cool little visual effect that had like some, the next day I did like some roses and lace with uh like blue roses and like I use a lot of orange and magenta tones in the background, and that was something I learned about using like complementary colors and just some studying I was doing on that and then uh I covered up some like a uh, old moon and fairy with a more like cra- like cool like flowy modern abstract flower tattoo that went all the way up the spine and was like a, um, kind of more realistic one, and then, like a, like, a more abstract one, and then, like, a really abstract one. So, it was kind of just, like, a, that was my fun, most fun project of the week, probably. And the day after that, I did a really big cover-up, too. I, I just really like doing cover-ups, uh, I planned for more on that one, uh, but I ended up only just doing her ribs, because it just took a really long time. Her ribs are difficult skin, it's, like, a real stretchy area, so you gotta do a little more work, too, uh, get through that kind of stuff but uh basically like a plan was to go we have this old uh, peacock that we did that was like a big cover-up of a lower back tattoo and then her upper left shoulder is like a fishing scene for her grandpa and it has like a fox and some deer and stuff and some flowers and um on her ribs on the other side she has uh some words that were done by like some tattoo artist that taught his lady how a tattoo i guess uh, and you know she's she was still learning and and kind of messed it up or whatever and she this lady wanted to get it fixed or she wanted to get it covered cover up over it so we did these big cherry blossoms that cover up that whole scene and then we were gonna bring those all the way over into behind the um peacock too and kind of have it like sitting on a cherry blossom branch and stuff, so it'd be, like, this whole back piece, but ended up taking, like, uh, four hours or something just to do the ribs, and you can imagine, you know, like, the ribs get really freaking sore, so, she was just done after that, and then, uh, so we just kind of left it at that, and we're gonna end up, you know, filling in the middle and the back, the background of the, uh, peacock a, a little bit later, but, um, this week, too, I have, like, some more, uh, watercolor cover-ups, and, uh, I've got a really big black and gray project, too, that's going to be really fun to work on. Especially after taking that course and, you know, being... I feel like an all-time high confidence of uh, my black and gray realism. I can't wait to get back into it and do a little bit more of that style. Um, So, yeah. Just, you know, stay inspired. Keep growing. Put yourself around other artists that are hungry for knowledge whenever possible. And value your art over money and don't ever confuse the two because uh, when you value the art, the money will come along with it. It's just a matter of time and consistency and hard work. And, you know, big thing too is treat people online the same as you do in real life. Everyone's so nice at conventions, and but online, like, you don't hesitate to rip on each other. And I think that that's bullshit and we should all just be, like, trying to lift each other up. And take this industry to the next level but uh, a lot of people just want their ego stroked and a lot of people um you know just want to kind of be a jerk to other people for no reason really maybe to make themselves feel a little bit better you know i've been the victim of it and hey i've been the hammer too sometimes and the nail you know so uh, i've learned my lesson and i try to be nice to everybody online or not say anything at all And because that's how people are in person, and I think it's only right for us to act in person how we do online or online as we do in person, you know, otherwise we're being fake. So um, if you're going to be an a-hole, be an a-hole all the time, at least, you know, be honest about who you are. Um, But I think that the industry could use a lot more positivity, a lot more kindness and empathy. And I think that if we all work together, then we can kind of like teach everybody, um, clients and young tattoo artists alike like the right way to do things and then we don't have to um like hate on each other and be so negative towards each other because there's enough education out there to where less people are going about things the wrong way and then we don't have to get so angry and butthurt or whatever whenever we see you know people are disrespecting what we love so much tattooing you know um if If we just kind of are a little more positive and educational towards everybody then and you just tell people this is how things are done that uh, um this is how I believe things should be done, and this is how I think the tattoo industry should be, and you exude that and you are that you're in a shining example, then you're doing your part you know to make this a better thing for everybody for yourself, especially you know um it should never be a job where it feels like a job like where you don't want to go in when you wake up in the morning like this is a drag you know so if it starts becoming that then you need to check yourself and you need to figure out like where you went wrong because in the beginning you got into this because you love the idea of the freedom of being a tattoo artist you're maybe a little bit of a rebel and you love art and you found a way to express yourself and you found a way to work with people in a way that you don't have to work the 9 to 5 you found a way around like the the bullshit like setup system that everybody has to oblige by you're different and you're lucky and you should feel like it and you should act like it and i believe that you have the power to make somebody else's life a little bit better every single day so that you should use that it's like a superpower and you should use it um uh, That's my goal, at least. So, that's that, everybody. I appreciate you listening. And until next time, um, sayonara.